Hello everybody and welcome to In My Mug, episode number 89 on Monday the 26th of July 2010. My name is Stephen Layton and I know this because... It's only a face a mother could love. So, last week the lesson in Peabury seemed to go down really, really well. Um, and I really, really enjoyed doing it. So, basically this week I've got something a little bit more stretching, a little bit more educational. Um, hopefully... Fun and definitely with a superb coffee. So uh, I've been doing my homework, I've had my head in the books, uh, been really having a, 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 trying to get a better understanding of what we're going to be talking about. And this is something that really affects the region we're going to be talking about today in a really, really bad way. Um, so it's interesting to kind of have a little bit of background into what the farmer goes through and the issues that they can have. Um, I'm going to try and stop moving my hands around as well because Anna, who gave us the cup last week, made lots of fun out of me for doing this all the time, so I'm going to try and stop. So let's dive into the comments. Um, and yet, the, the comments last week were way down on the week before, but I'm not surprised because Machika Marka one was pretty stunning. Um, but yeah, just going to pick out a few of these again, perhaps four or five of them, and, 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 and talk about those ones. So, Ty Subscriber, really easy one, said, should be a good one, I'm looking forward to this. And I feel really bad for Ty Subscriber because always waiting for theirs to arrive, obviously, and they know what's coming. Uh, the UK subscribers have that benefit of getting them on a Saturday morning, hopefully. So, I hope lots of you are drinking them this morning, because I'm recording this on Saturday morning. Um, Dan Latchat, thank you for an amazing lesson on coffee this week. I did not know about Peabury. Life is too short for bad coffee. Life is too short for bad coffee. Working on this catchphrase, gotta, gotta grind latte, which is gotta go later all, later all. Okay. Andrew said, not a fan of licorice, and this coffee uh, isn't one for me, but I'm going to give it uh, the remainder seven to eight to ten days to come back to it, and that is a superb idea. If any of you don't enjoy a coffee that you have, Give it a chance to settle, leave it, come back to it. Um, you may find that all of a sudden you really like that coffee. And, and um, yeah, that's always a good thing to do. Um, Vlad said, breeding Chemex, 15 grams a mug uh, for the first time today, and it's crazy coffee. It goes from deep, dark, nearly bark-like in taste for the first few sips, then a smooth taste, then acid overtones remind me of green tomatoes as the coffee gets colder. Huge, sweet, dark chocolate aftertaste made my day. Love that one. Love, love, love that one. Uh, Jason Mann said, the blog post was indeed very helpful. Oh, I'm skipping here. Uh, and um, Janet, uh, this was Andrew said, uh, the one I was talking about, uh, seven to ten days rest. Janet, David's recent blog post here may help you a little. And I am going to put a link up to this blog post. This is from David Walsh, who is a regular watcher of these. Hi, David. Um, and, um, yeah, it's a really, really, really good coffee post to kind of expand education. It's a whole education theme going on at the minute. Um, I want you all to learn more because I'm really enjoying it at the minute that there's so much out there to kind of pick up on it and, and dive into. Um, Mark said, uh, I vastly preferred this to the Gethinbuini of a few weeks ago, which is really interesting. Um, it really worked well in the French press. There were definitely undertones of blackcurrant and licorice uh, sweets, which worked really well in this coffee. The flavors weren't subdued. Um, but they weren't overbearing either, just spot on. Um, the In My Mug subscription is the highlight of Mondays for me. And I, yeah, you see, even when I read it, the smile comes up. So that's super, Mark. Thank you very, very much. Um, Alex Redgate said, I'm in the same boat as Mark. I much preferred the Peabree on this one. Um, though I am getting into the AA now, it's calmed down a bit too. 
uh, deliciously different, but with a vein of familiarity too. Um, and really interestingly, there is going to be a Kenya coming up in a moment that is going to completely make sense of why things are lot numbers, why things taste different. That's going to be coming up in the next few weeks. Um, I would have done it this week, but I didn't want to overload you with Kenyas because there's been a lot recently. But in the next three or four weeks, you're going to be having a Kenyan land on your doorstep, which for me made sense. It made everything become clear to me and was, was again, another really good educational thing, which I really want to share with you. So uh, I'm going to wipe you on pause. I'm not going to go and make the drink. I'm going to wipe you on pause because I need to get rid of this and then I'll be back in just a second. Right, so I'm back, um, and this is a delve into a new coffee from Colombia. I know lots of you will have tried the Conseca uh, that we had from Nariño, uh, which for me was an incredibly exciting coffee because it was an exclusive, and it was a delve into the, one of the kind of newest regions in Colombia to have uh, established itself of, uh, of late. But this one that we've got is, is from Huila, which is the more traditional uh, coffee growing area. Um, and it's, you know, kind of where a lot of the quality coffee for the past five, ten years. My Columbia coffee education has come from. Uh, Wheeler is kind of mid, mid-south Columbia, um, to the east of Nariño, um, and he's well-established coffee growing region, um, and it's somewhere that is kind of really cool. So, we're going to get into a lesson. I'm going to give you a little bit of a lesson about Wheeler. Uh, Colombia's second highest peak, uh, the Nevado del Huila volcano, is located in the Huila department, uh, as is the Magdalena uh, River, also called the Yuma River, uh, and it's Colombia's largest river, which, and it rises into the Huila department. Um, Colombia uh, is kind of experiencing something at the moment that could really change the cup that comes out of the country. Wheeler in particular, but the whole of Colombia is having an issue with this. Um, and I think it's really going to affect the coffee coming out of there in the years to come. I see the whole of Colombia suffering with this one. Um, over the past two years, three years, I've seen a real drop in yield, um, which has been tied with high demand. And also, they seem to be blighted with something called uh, coffee rust, or roja, is another name for it. And... Roa is a, a disease that attacks the plant. It's kind of like a dust that forms on the plant and then is transferred via uh, different kind of ways. And, and yeah, but I'll get into that. Um, but what it does, it attacks the leaf. And I'm going to show you a picture now of the leaf. And you'll see here that this is kind of looking quite diseased and, and, and not looking very good. Um, but you're going to have to let me geek out on this one because there's so much to cover with it. If it's a little bit above what you kind of think, all you need to remember is how much effect this is having on the region. So coffee rust, roya, is a disease that affects the leaves, yields, coffee plant and its general health. So it means that the plant is quite poorly. Uh, first found in 1869 in uh, Ceylon, I don't know how you pronounce that, which is now Sri Lanka, uh, which used to be a massive coffee producer. Uh, but because of the rust and because of falling coffee prices, um, they ripped out all of the, the coffee and planted tea, uh, for which they now are incredibly famous. But side stories aside, from here it spread into Sumatra, Java and the Indonesian Isles um, in 1970, in 1870. Sorry. Um, in the 1880s it then went to Tanzania, Madagascar, 
But interestingly, never found its way to West Africa, so not Kenya, uh, Rwanda, all of those places, until 1956, which then it just went rampant all in that area too. Um, but for a long time, Central South America seemed to be immune from this spread, uh, and I'm sure there must have been a huge kind of relief that this didn't come across to, uh, you know, what is a huge coffee-producing uh, continent. But then in 1970, it was found in Brazil, and from there rapidly spread uh, from Brazil to all of the Central South American uh, countries. And it's pretty much found wherever coffee's grown, found now. Um, transported in a powder, as I was saying, that attacks the plant and then is carried through the air by insects, by the wind, or carried by people and pickers as they go from farm to farm. It can be carried on clothes um, and all of those things. And then when it does get there, it just goes incredibly rampant. Now, there's a couple of ways you can deal with coffee rust, and strains like Liberica uh, and Robusta seem to have a much higher resistance to the Roya, but Arabica, which is the coffee, you know, strain that we see most of our coffee, com coffee coming from, is susceptible uh, and is incredibly weak to rust. It's believed that high shade, very wet humidity conditions um, add to the risk of Roya. So what does Colombia have? It has high humidity, very wet conditions, incredibly well shaded, Arabica plant stock. It is just open to, uh, to leaf rust coming through and makes it incredibly susceptible, uh, which puts it in a really awkward position. Uh, the region of Wheeler, where this coffee that we're going to be cupping comes from, is really suffering big time with leaf rust. Um, and there's basically two ways to deal with it. The one is by planting these varietals, you know, substrains. Um, and the other one is by spraying with a copper-based fungicide, um, which we don't really like fungicides and chemicals and, and all the rest of it. Unfortunately, the, the Federation of National de Cafeteros, which is... The FNC, which is based in Colombia and runs coffee in Colombia, um, has suggested that they plant a, a hybrid called Catimor, which is a crossbreed of Katura and Timor. Uh, I mean, you think you might remember a little while back we got into a little bit about Timor, and which is, you know, it's, these plants are very high yielding, very quick to establish themselves, but I very rarely found the cup quality to be something that really excites me and, and you know, something I've really enjoyed. So I think we're going to see in the next couple of years some real drops in quality, um, a real kind of changes in the profile of the Columbia Cup, which scares me immensely because I love Colombia. Um, I think they produce some stunning, amazing coffees. Um, but this farm's done something a little bit different, and this is kind of like the thing that may save it. Um, the car, farm is called Finca uh, La Elvira, um, and is run uh, by a fam small family, a husband, wife, and three children. And the coffee is a mix of 90% Katura, 5% Castilla, and 5% a variety called F6. And the F6 is the important part here in the varietal. It's a strain that's not only thought to produce great tasty coffee, but it also has some resistance to the leaf rust. Um, the reason it's only 5% this year is it's a brand new planting. That's going to be coming on stream over the, the next few years. But the early indications are that this could be the saving grace of Colombian coffee. So I'm really excited that we get to see this at such an early stage. Um, farm facts. Harvest is September to November. 1,700 metres above sea level. Fully washed, sun-dried, uh, on rooftop patios, which is quite common for the area. Um, Coffee arrived in the UK in March this year, 
uh, when we got it, and it was stunning. I loved the coffee straight away. We, it's a tiny micro lot, there's three bags, and I was just like, we've got to have this. But it wasn't ready. It was a little bit green, it was a little bit pea-like, it had some real vegetal tones to it, which I didn't like. And, but I knew with a little bit of rest and a little bit of time, then it was going to be fantastic. Um, and I think now it's at the point where I'm ready to give it to you guys. It's one I've been sitting on, I've been hatching away for you, and hopefully now you're really going to enjoy it. And, and I've really been enjoying it. It's super exciting to have such a great coffee um, to be able to show you. So, as you know, past few weeks I've been on a big brewed coffee journey. But I love espresso again! <laughs> and we have an espresso for you. So what I'm going to do is going to whack you on pause, I'm going to go and make the espresso, and this is the reason I didn't do the drink last time, because by now the espresso would be really cold. I'm also going to make a cappuccino, uh, and I will be back with you in two seconds. Right, so I'm back, time for snozzer in the bowl. And the first thing you smell on this is it's incredibly sweet. You get this gush of sweetness come through, which is just delicious. There's a little bit of zing on there as well, but it's very difficult to pick out because the sweetness is such a dominant part in the cup, so let's pop that down. Time for the espresso, first of all. So again, sweetness, you smell some zing. Just dive in. Now this coffee shares a lot in common with the Conseca. Um, although they're different regions, they share the sweetness. They've got an acidity which, for me, reminds me very much of green apple. So biting into a juicy, tart green apple. But then the smoothness takes over again, so it's not like a cup of sourness. It really is something that is delicious. But this, my friends, is where this drink comes alive. We were cupping this last week, and um, me, Andy, and Kaylee, who works here, my sister, we were cupping it, and we tried it in the cupping, and we were like, that's really nice, like that sweetness, but we found it very difficult to find descriptors. When we added milk to it, the descriptors came running through, so. The sweetness cuts through the milk, it works in you know, tandem with that milk coming through but that green apple acidity just jumps to the front, gives it something to kind of go, whoa, I'm tasting coffee, not just milk here. And it is absolutely amazing. I really, really want you to try this uh, if you're not a subscriber. Veg coming up below. I tell you now, we have three bags of this. That's all that came into the UK, uh, all that came into Europe. Tiny, tiny micro lot. It's going to get bigger, we're hoping, next year with this new planting of this new varietal coming through that we're really going to see some more. Um, I would really love to be able to get it again. I think it's one I'm very happy to stick my wheeler hat on. Um, and I hope you get a chance to try it too. Thank you very much for joining me again. I hope you enjoy this new style of <laughs> in my mug. Um, I needed to just freshen it up a little bit and jiggle it around. Um, sorry if I didn't read your comment out, if you commented after Saturday. I'm recording this Saturday morning because me and Mrs. Hasbeen are, uh, are going out this evening. We're going to a concert to go and see Rick Astley and Go West and Span uh, no, um, Tony Hadley from Spandar Ballet and Tapeo. And so it's going to be a real gr granny's 
evening night. Um, but yeah, it's going to be great fun. So that's why I'm recording this on the Saturday, because I know I'm not going to have chance tomorrow. Uh, and I'm going to have to catch up with lots of things. So listen, thank you very much for joining me. And just remember, life is too short for bad coffee. T-shirts never lie.